0: Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger of Story Point Church, located in the heart of Wolf Reef, Florida. And now, here's Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger with this week's message from Story Point Church. Oh, so last week, um, by the way, do you know how much pressure there is? knowing that your last Sunday of the year, it's like the final word until the new year, and you want to say something that's meaningful and important, do you know how much pressure there is to find something in the Bible that's like, that like summarizes everything that you want to say? Uh, it's, it's quite a bit, actually. But what, what I was thinking about this week, I, I think, will meet that standard. Not because of me, but because I think the Lord showed me two verses of Scripture this week that if you and I will put these into practice, if we will live them, it literally will change every single part of our life. That's a big promise, right? I'll tell you what I'll do. I will give you 100% of your money back if you don't believe that's true today, okay? Whatever you paid at the door to get in, I'll give you all of it back, okay? Matter of fact, I'll give you twice as much back. Um, you know, those of you who don't know, we didn't have admission in the door. So, last week, we were looking at Isaiah eight and nine how Jesus was uh, the light, right the world was in darkness, and a light has come, and so it 's this whole idea of hope, this whole idea of clarity and the confusion and the darkness turning into something that made sense. But in verse twelve of isaiah eight there was there was something that God said that I think we We want to do, but sometimes we're not sure how to do it. And chapter 8 of Isaiah, verse 12, says this, do not call everything a conspiracy that they think is a conspiracy, and then here it is, do not fear what they fear. And so we're like, well, that sounds great. God said don't fear what they fear, but so how do I do that, right? How, How do I actually not fear what they fear? Because Everything that we see with our eyes says we should fear what's going on. In fact, that's what's happening. People are looking with their eyes. They're seeing the chaos and the confusion. And they're seeing the, uh, just, just things that, that, that seem unexplainable. And they're saying, well, well of course I'm going to fear that. I can't control it. I don't know what's going on. But you see, we have been given something by God. We have been given a truth, a truth, a promise that if we will live these two verses, we don't have to fear what they fear. We don't have to live in chaos. And in fact, we can have peace and joy and love and hope and patience and all those other things, even in the midst of great turmoil and stress. Now one of the things that I don't wanna do, and I, and I have to try to be very cautious about this, is I do not wanna ever try to, uh, to amplify the, the fear right? Because it, sometimes we can, we, can, we can make something out to where we get people all worked up. And I don't want to ever do that, but I also don't want to downplay what's going on. I mean, last week I showed you, or I shared with you that if you look at the events chronologically of 2020, it's been a really rough year, right? And like Kevin said, 2020 is going to end in just a few days, and 2021 is going to start, and there will have been nothing that changed except for a day on a calendar, So we're just moving our problems forward. But a verse in scripture, two verses, that most likely many of you already have written down in your house. You have it on a coffee cup. You have it on a wall plaque. You have it maybe uh, on a t-shirt. Every one of us, if we do this, it will make all the difference. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Most of us could probably even quote it by heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. How many of y'all have ever heard that before? Anybody? You've heard that verse? How many of you probably have a coffee cup with it? Anybody? I make a great coffee cup. Here's the thing about Bible verses. Bible verses are not for coffee cups. I mean, they're great to put on a coffee cup, hopefully that we would remember it, but the reason that we have these verses is God speaking to us saying, this is truth. And a Bible verse that's just a verse that doesn't go into our head and ultimately sink into our heart, it's it's ineffectual. But something happens when we put God's word into our heads and it sinks into our heart. It then begins to ooze out into every fiber of our body and our life changes. And so let's break this verse down. Trust in the Lord. That word trust is not a strange word to us. We hear it all the time. When I do a wedding ceremony, I usually try to tell people that there are four key ingredients to a marriage. Love, respect, communication, and trust. If you have those four ingredients in a marriage, that marriage is going to work. I mean, it just makes sense, right? And the one thing that I say about trust to this newly married or, or in the process of being married couple is I say, you know, trust is hard earned and it's easily lost. Would you agree with that? What does trust mean? Trust has some synonyms. Not exact, exact meanings, but they're very close. So to trust means to believe. Another word for trust is faith. Another word for trust would be confidence. Another word for trust would be to yield. So you put those words together. Trust, have confidence in, have faith in, believe, yield, And then the object of the trust is what's really important. See, a lot of people trust in a lot of things. We trust in our money. We trust in governments. Not a whole lot of that going on. We trust in institutions. We trust in processes. We trust in medicines. We trust in a lot of things. But every one of those things can, has, and will eventually fail us. Even your most closest friend will eventually fail you at some point. Has anybody ever experienced that? Yeah. But the object of this trust that the Bible is talking about is that our trust is in the Lord. Now, again, as I'm, as I'm working on this message this week, I'm, I'm thinking, and, and preachers probably put too much into this, but, but I'm always thinking, man, I've said that before. Well, I've told that story before. Well, I've, I've looked at that passage before. But I have to remind myself that if I enjoy hearing stories over and over and over, how much more do we enjoy hearing God's stories over and over and over? This Christmas, one of the best gifts I got. I got a lot of good gifts this Christmas. Um, I got a little coffee holder for my coffee in my truck. You know, you stick it on the, you stick it on the console, and then you stick your cup in it, and if you slam on the brakes, the coffee doesn't go forward. That's happened once or twice. Um, I, got, uh, uh, I got a cutting board, which is really cool. But I also got a shirt. And Josh, did you wear the shirt? I was going to wear it and I totally forgot. Because Josh got the same shirt. It says, 2019, Lake Tahoe, where's my meatball? Oh, yeah. You know? You don't know. So here's, here's the thing about stories. Stories get better and better and better every time you tell them. You guys don't know the meatball story? I'll just share it with you. And I hope that this is not going somewhere in California. So we were uh, in Lake Tahoe, I guess two summers ago. And um, we went to a restaurant, a pizza place on the water. We sat down and we looked at the menus and we ordered a couple of pizzas. And while we were waiting for our food, we happened to look over and on the table next to us was a family that was eating all kinds of pizza and spaghetti And they had the most ginormous meatball I've ever seen in my entire life. It had to have been a pound and a half of meat. If I'm lying, I'm dying. This thing, this thing you could have used as a softball. It was giant. But they had so much food. And, and, you know, I was just kind of curious, when are they going to eat their meatball? I didn't say this out loud, but I was thinking to it in my head. In fact, I was so tempted to order the meatball, but it was like 14 bucks, and I wasn't going to do that. So I was just admiring the neighbor's meatball. Well, we got our pizza and we were eating and everything, and then I happened to notice that they were finishing up and um, they had the meatball boxed up by the waitress. And so it was in this nice little container, and they got up and they left. And I looked and they left their meatball. And I thought, oh my, God is smiling down upon us. And I was like, Josh, go get their meatball they're gone and Shannon of course was like no we can't do that so we had this conversation at our table for a while and then the waiter came over and started clearing the table and I'm like hey dude you gonna throw that away he goes yeah you want it I go yeah so he brought the boxed meatball to our table Now, actually, they had one little slice that they had taken out of it, so just just know that. But it was just a little slice. So, So we now have the neighbor's meatball, and I'm thinking, the Lord has smiled upon us, hasn't he? I mean, this is a $14 meatball. They left. They had been gone for like five or 10 minutes, and so I'm thinking, okay, this is safe. So we open up the meatball, and we start to eat it and Shannon is having a cow. I mean, she literally is going nuts that we took these people's meat. But I'm like, they were going to throw it away. And so I look up and 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 I'm like, Shannon, they are not coming back. They've been gone. And as soon as I said that, the guy walks back into the restaurant. And he's talking with the person at the door. And I'm like, give me the meatball, give me the meatball. So we, we're like put it on our lap now, right? So the meatball is now under the table, hidden on the lap. And we're, and, and I'm like, you'd better not say a word. And so we're just kind of looking out the corner. He comes down and he's looking at, the, and, and so we're here and he's over here. He's of He's kind of looking at the table, confused, wanting to know where did his meatball go? <laughs> and... The waitress fortunately came and she covered for us. She goes, I got you. she goes, "Yes, yeah, sorry, the meatball's gone. <laughs> and the look of disappointment on his face was horrible. He walked out the door and then we pulled the meatball and finished eating it. <laughs> and and here, here's the funny thing. That story doesn't mean a whole lot to you. I mean, you might laugh at it. But to my family, that is a personal story. It's one of those things to where we will remember the meatball so for the rest of our life, right? And we will tell that meatball story to our kids' grandkids. Well, we won't tell it, we'll be dead by then. But that story will be passed on to little Jeffrey the 14th at some point. And you know what, stories like that though remind us of something, right? So when the Bible says, trust in the Lord, what the Bible is saying is, remember the stories of the God who spoke everything into existence. And those stories ought to give you reason to be able to trust. Why is it that we forget the stories of God? even though we have the benefit of having many of them, not all of them, but many of them written down, and then when his stories actually coincide with our own stories, do you have any stories that God has given you in your own life? You, you were sharing some just the, the other day, and, and these stories, they remind us of how faithful God is, and they remind us of how good he is. Really, the stories of God are, are a picture of the character of God. And yet those stories oftentimes just go right by us, and we forget it's not just a story. It's a, it's a, it's a real, live illustration of a real uh, 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 being, God. So when the Bible says trust in the Lord, it means put your, full, put your confidence in, your hope, take your cues, yield, submit yourself, listen to, and follow the Lord. Not, not what our eyes see, not what our bank account says, not what our situation says, but in the Lord. And it's really hard to do that because the Lord oftentimes speaks quietly while everything else tends to scream at you. Have you noticed that? All of these situations tend to scream, and yet God, in his still, small voice, says, I am the I am. I mean, think about it. When, 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 when asked, who should I say sent me? Sent me here is the reply. I am the I am. It's like, what am I supposed to do with that? Actually, that is everything. I am the great I am. I am is all you need. So we can trust in the Lord and then here's the the thing that we have trouble with, with all your heart. See, we like to trust in the Lord with some of our heart, maybe even trust in the Lord with most of our heart, but it's that all of our heart that gives us trouble. Um, To trust ultimately is to hear and obey the voice of God. There should be a simplicity about that. There should be an autom- automatic nature of that the longer we, become, w- w- the longer we follow Jesus. But, but it doesn't always seem to be that way. I'm gonna tell a story on Hannah real quick because this, this to me is the perfect illustration of what it means to trust in the Lord. So she had just gotten home from college a couple of weeks ago and uh, she wanted some experience running some, some medical calls because she's gonna do medical school and she needs the uh, shadowing experience. So we got her hooked up to be uh, shadowing us at the fire department, and so we we're in the house. It's late at night. I don't know what ten o'clock at night or so. My my radio goes off. Hey, there's a call. We need to respond. So I say, Hannah, you want to go? She's like, Yeah. So we jump in the truck. We turn on the light. We go to the station, and we're the first ones there. And so um, we're going to take the squad. It's a medical call. So I I get in and I start the squad and. And Hannah is sitting in the passenger seat, but she doesn't know that other people are coming as well, so I say, Hannah, you need to get in the back, because the way that you do, you always have an officer, and it's just a process. So she gets out, and and I'm like, where'd she go? I look back, and she's in, like, the bed of the truck, and, and I start dying laughing. I'm like, she's not a Labrador retriever, but if she was, she'd be the most perfect Labrador retriever at all. She didn't ask questions. She didn't think twice. She literally went out and she jumped in the bed of the truck and was just sitting there, just waiting for us to go. I said, no, no, the back of the truck, not the back back of the truck. But, but the picture of that is, it, it was just, okay, my dad said it. He knows what he's doing, at least in this thing. I'll just do it. That's the way, really, that God is calling us to be. But the way we normally do is we normally trust, but verify. That was uh, Ronald Reagan's slogan, right? You need the trust, but verify. We normally say, okay, Lord, what do you want us to do? Okay, great, now I'm gonna double check and make sure, and then we go through and we just check off to make sure that God's got it right. Or, Lord, do you want me to go right or left? Okay, you want me to go left? Okay, do you want me to go right or, or left? Okay, let me do it three times just in case because I really want to go right and I'm just thinking, I'll, you ever done that? Ask God more than one time because what he tells you is not what you want to hear? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart literally means to the Hebrew listener that the seed of the emotions, the very center of who a human was, was their heart. So trust in the Lord with all of their heart means that every fiber of your body is trusting in the Lord. And what are you trusting in? You're trusting in the person, in who God is. And you know who God is because he's revealed himself to you through his stories and through your own stories. So trust in the Lord with all of your heart. I did not illustrate this very well in my own life when I had Joshua drive through Dallas traffic one morning. About a month ago, we were driving home from Colorado, or a couple months ago, we were driving home from Colorado, and um, for some reason or another, I wanted to uh, take a little rest from driving, and I let him drive. And I'm not sure what I was thinking or smoking at the time, but it must have been something, because we got into Dallas traffic, and if you've ever driven in Dallas, it's, it's nightmarish, right? I mean, it's, it's awful. And there's about 100 billion options every mile that you go, roads going everywhere. So Shannon was in the passenger seat, Josh was driving, and I was in the back seat, and I was definitely on edge, definitely. Is it fair to say that I was a little bit back seat of a, a, a backseat driver? I was like, well, watch this, watch this, slow down, go faster, move, go, 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 go. turn the signal, and I was telling them how to drive the whole time, and, and it dawned on me, I'm actually causing more problems than I am helping. And so the only thing I knew to do... I think I did this. It's been a, I, I wiped this part of my life away, just so I don't want to remember. It's just close my eyes. Just go, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. Isn't that what we do with God, though? We say, okay, Lord, I will follow you. I'll give you the control. You, you sit in the driver's seat, but we get right back behind him, and we're constantly talking into his ear. We're constantly telling him, no, don't do that. No, I want to do this. I want to do that. To trust in the Lord with all your heart means... Lord, here's the keys. Now I'm going to get in the back of the truck. You take me where you want to take me and do what you want to do. The next verse says this and do not lean on your own understanding. This means that your own understanding is what you see, it's your human wisdom, it's your logic, it's your reasoning. See, the ditch on this side, though, you've heard it said every road has a ditch on both sides, right? On the one side is the ditch of not letting God do anything, you directing your entire path. The other side is making God do everything. But do you know that your relationship with him is a relationship? It's not, a, it, it, it's not just you in a vacuum doing what, it's it's you working with God, where he's driving, and you're just the assistant. And you don't pick up a tool until he tells you to pick up a tool. You don't take a step until he tells you to step. But when he tells you to step, that's what you do. Some people will sit back, and they'll fold their hands, and they'll say, oh, it belongs to God. It's God's fault. It's God's responsibility. I'm really hungry. I have no more money. Oh, it's God's responsibility. Or are are you going to... You're going to go try to make some, no, it's God's, he'll feed me. He'll, he'll do this. I actually had a lady come to the, to the church one time, and she was mad at me because I didn't give her money for food. And I said, well, what are you doing to, to try to find money? Oh, the Bible says that the church is supposed to provide for me. I said, actually, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. So, but think about it. How many people use God as an excuse to do nothing? How many people blame God for the problems in their life and then blame God because he's not fixing the problems in their life? And now they're mad at God for something he didn't start, and yet he's not fixing, yet we're doing nothing. Amen? Now look, it is a partnership. It is a it is a, I used, a couple Christmas Eves ago I said it this way, it is a dance In order to dance, you got to have one person who leads and you got to have one person who follows, but it takes two people if you're going to do the dance. Now, I've watched Dancing with the Stars. I know that. But it's true. God God takes the lead and you simply follow where he goes. Sometimes it is God doing 95% of the work and you're doing 5%. And sometimes God is doing 5% and you're doing 95%. And the reason I'm saying this so emphatically is because we get confused with how we're supposed to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding because we don't know how to differentiate between what is us and what is God. This was one of the biggest struggles of my life when I was learning to preach. I, I was I was an evangelist and I would travel and I'd preach and I and I used to think to myself I can't be funny because if I'm funny I'm taking away the work of God so I'm just going to let God do all the work. You know what I realized nobody wanted to listen because I was boring. And then I went to the other side and I said, I'll just be funny. But I was so funny that I became the star of the show, and God wasn't able to. To to really and it was powerless and it was ineffectual. And so what I had to learn is that it's not an either-or, it's an order. God is first. Whatever he says, I do, but the moment he speaks, I do everything that I can do to be obedient to what he says. Does that make sense? That is the struggle that we must all learn to understand. To lean not on your own understanding is essentially to leave God out of the equation. But the way he calls us to is to put him first and then listen to him and let the understanding that we have not be our own understanding, but understanding that comes from God. In the book of James, it's very clear. It says if anyone lacks wisdom, let him what? Ask of God, who gives liberally, who gives generously. Faith without works is dead. So to say, God, you just do it, that's not the right way. We say, God, I'm trusting you to use me because God always uses people to accomplish his work. I say always. 99.9 times out of of 100, he uses people to do his work. So you hear and you obey. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. See, this is the part that we actually don't want to get into as well. Many of us are good about trusting God in these areas, but we're not good about these areas. It's almost like we say, God, you are competent in these things, but I'm not sure of your competency in this. What it really boils down to most of the time is, I trust you with these things, but I have my own opinions about this, and I don't want to relinquish control. It's a control issue, which ultimately is a sin issue which ultimately is a pride issue, right? And so what the Bible's calling us to do is 100% with every fiber of our body, with all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, all of our actions, to relinquish complete control and to trust, have confidence in God to direct our paths. Because if we'll do this, he says, and he will direct our path, right? So here's here's the catch. Most of us know this verse, right? We know it up here, but it hasn't yet sunk down to here. Because we're still figuring things out. We're still trying to, 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 to wrestle with some questions. There's a lot of things we don't know. We look at this, this uh, uh, life, or we look at, at our spiritual life with the wrong graph. We look at it and think that we start here as a new believer, and our life, just as a believer, goes like this. And the more we know Christ, the, 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 the closer we get to him. But we, we, we match our own life to that graph, and we're like, "Man, I'm messed up." Because can anybody say that that's the way your spiritual life has been like this? Nobody. Why? Well, because you're just like the Israelites, and so am I. You forget the stories? You forget the trust, sometimes you just rebel. A better picture is actually like this. Not a straight line, but each and every day you know a little bit more, and by the time you're done you know Christ more, but even though it hasn't been a straight line, it's been a progression towards intimacy with God the Father. I'm gonna give you an even better picture, okay? That's good, this one's good, but here's a better picture. It's more of an Eastern way of thinking of it. You're here. God speaks. You hear his voice. You say, okay, I'll do it. And so you go here. And then he speaks again and you hear his voice and you do it. And so you go here. And the more you hear his voice and the more you obey the more familiar his voice becomes, and the easier it is to obey. The more trust you have because you have now a history. And over and over and over as you hear his voice, you begin to trust him more and more and more so that by the end of your life, the circle is just much, much, much easier and much more free-flowing than it was when you began. Does that make sense? So when you start, it's, it's kinda tough, it's really small. But the longer you walk with Christ, the more you learn to trust and obey, the more you don't lean on your own understanding. It just becomes this this faith that builds upon itself. And that's what I want you to remember this morning. That the Bible says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. The message this morning is really very simple. The world is chaotic and crazy, but there is a God who's given us a game plan, and that game plan is as simple as, but not easy. Trust in the Lord with all of your being, with all your heart. Don't lean upon your own understanding and intellect and what you see, but in every one of your ways, acknowledge, by the way, that, way, that word acknowledge means and know, in all of your ways, know him, and he will make your path straight. Make your path straight doesn't mean it's easy, doesn't mean it's without conflict, doesn't mean it's without bumps and bruises. It means that God will lead you and guide you and direct you as he chooses to do so. Amen? That's that's it for 2021. If you want to endure 2021 and not just endure it, but be able to have The fruit of the Spirit, be able to live with joy and peace and all those kinds of things. That's the key. Because you know what? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is mentioned all over Scripture with different ways. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. The just will live by faith. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him as righteousness. It's all over the place, right? The Lordship of Christ. Here's something really cool. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 14 begins where I began today. He actually quotes Isaiah 12. He says, do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. And then verse 15, but in your hearts set apart Christ Jesus as Lord. Is that not Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? In your hearts set apart Christ Jesus as Lord it's the same thing. God is very consistent in this. If you'll trust him, he'll lead you. If you choose to trust yourself, there's going to be conflict. All right, so let me close by giving you just a few thoughts. Um, We don't live Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in a vacuum it's not that once we decide to trust the Lord with all of our heart, the enemy's like, oh well, just, he's just gonna trust the Lord. I guess I'll have to go to somebody else. Is that how it works? No. The enemy says, you know what? It's almost like there's a visceral hatred towards anybody who decides to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. It's almost like you get a mark and the enemy's like, you know what? I'm gonna go after them super extra hard. And I think that there's a reason for that. You wanna know why? Because if you are living a life of faithfulness, other people are gonna see that and they're gonna be encouraged to do the same thing. The enemy knows that the most faithful believers, if he can take them out, he can destroy a whole lot of people in the process. Just just look at the news and see some of these pastors and leaders who've fallen from, from grace and you can see the impact and just the carnage that happens in their wake. And so you decide to follow Jesus with with your whole heart and and do what Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says. And what you will find is that you will face some obstacles that comes from the that come from the Father of lies himself. FUD is the first thing. You know what FUD is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. FUD, FUD. It's part of all of us. What do we fear? Well, we fear the uncertain. The father of lies tries to convince us that that what God says isn't true. He tries to remind us or tries to show us that even though God has thousands of years of history of being perfect in every way, this is the day that he's going to fail. And somehow or another, we believe it. Our uncertainty comes in a lot of different ways. We're uncertain as to whether or not we're hearing from God. We doubt whether or not God is actually interested in this thing or that thing. We doubt whether or not um, what we're feeling is right. You see, all of these things come into play because the enemy wants to move our eyes off of Jesus and onto ourselves. So fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And then the, the fourth thing I want to share with you that the enemy does is he, he tries his best to convince us to not carry on. Sheer exhaustion. Honestly, have you ever been tired in your Christian life? Have you ever said to yourself, you know what? I'm just done. Man, it seems like every day's a fight. Seems like every day there's a struggle. Seems like just when when things seem to be okay, it's just another issue. I'll be real honest with you. Pastors fight this regularly. And the reason for that is there's such a weight that we carry on ourselves to, to lead faithfully now, things can be going great, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something can blindside you, either relational, or it's situational, or, or just, you know, confusion, or whatever. And you go, ah, oh, man, again? Again? It must have been how Jesus felt when his disciples were asleep for the third time. And I kind of think he just, get up, let's go, you know? It's like, can you not even stay awake? But here's the thing. Being exhausted is not something strange to a believer. In fact, the most faithful, solid believers that we see in history, many of them have been exhausted. The most famous is probably Elijah. Elijah had the ability to call off the rain for three years. He had the ability to feed a widow into where her pot was full for like for for years of famine then he had the ability to say okay it's time to rain and God sent the rain this was a man who walked with God he spoke for God this was a man who stood on top of Mount Carmel and he faced down 850 prophets 850 false prophets And the deal was, you can go back and read it, the deal was, you are 850 prophets, you call your gods and ask them to to respond. And whichever, and then I'll call my God, whichever God responds by fire, that's the real God. Talk about putting your, talk about stepping out. Do you think there was any question right there? I'm thinking Isaiah was a beast when it came to faith, but I'm wondering if he had a little bit of, who I sure hope God comes through on this one, right? I don't know, it didn't say that, but I'm just wondering, he was a human, in fact, Elijah even said, you go first. Since you got 850, you go first. So they dug, a, uh, they, they put the, uh, uh, the altar up and they called down on their gods. No, their gods didn't answer. And so Elijah said, okay, it's my turn. Enough of this. He said, but first I want you to dig a trench. Uh, dig it bigger, dig it deeper. All right, now that you got a moat around this offering, I want you to pour water all over the offering. Just cover it, make it wet, soak it to where it's impossible. And then once it was, was incredibly difficult, he said, God, to show them that you are the one true God, send fire from heaven, and out of heaven, God sent a fire that consumed the sacrifice all in front of their very eyes. This was one of those, whoa. This was one of those moments where literally you would have felt chills through your entire body because you just saw the impossible with your very eyes. And the next scene that we have is this woman called Jezebel who sends word to, I, to Elijah that says, I'm gonna kill you. And fear strikes at his heart and he runs into the wilderness and he plops down underneath the tree and he says, I wish that I had never even been born. Talk about exhaustion. Why? Why? I'm the only one. Talk about depression. Talk about something going on inside of his head, right? Lord, I, I can't do this anymore. And that's the end of his ministry. You know, we get on to him about that. I mean, We, we, you know, we, we talk about that as if, man, you should have been more faithful. But, but here's the comfort that I find from that story. At some point, you and I hopefully will burn out because we've done everything that God gave us to do. And at that point, I hope that God says, come on home with me. The hope that, and when I say burn out, I don't mean flame out like from sin, but I'm saying we use every fiber of our body to the glory of Jesus. At some point, we're gonna have done so much that we literally have nothing else to give. There's nothing in the tank. And the hope that comes from that is God saying, it's okay, your work is done, and I've got a thousand lined up behind you to carry it on. That's the hope that we have. So Galatians 6, 9 says, do not grow weary in doing good, for you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. The enemy is the father of lies. He comes to steal and comes to kill and comes to destroy. He wants to do everything he can do to keep you from doing the one thing that you must do. And that is trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And there's this epic cosmic battle going on every single day in your life and in my life. But guess what? I read the back of the book. God wins. So this morning, my hope for you is that that verse will no longer be a verse on your wall. My hope for you is that that will be a verse for 2021 that you literally, in the morning when you wake up, you say, Lord, I will trust in you with all of my heart. Lord, help me today to not lean on my own wisdom and understanding. God, help me in all of my ways to know you. And I know that if I will do that. You will direct my paths. Father in heaven. We definitely have difficult days ahead. Lord they're uncertain. But God you are as certain. As anything. That we've ever known. In you there is no changing. There is no faltering. There is no. There's no confusion. You are the author of clarity. And you, God, are are eternal. You are infinite. And you have chosen to give us access to your throne. Lord, help us truly to live and to walk by the Spirit. God, help us to to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Lord, help us to recognize that, that this is not an easy journey. You said, in this world, you will have many troubles, but fear not, I have overcome the world. Lord, all of these promises are exactly the same. It points to the fact that you are God. And so, Lord, I pray this kind of faith for everybody in this room, for everybody listening on Facebook, God, for everybody who will ever hear this message. I pray for great faith and absolute trust in you, Lord, that we could walk boldly into 2021 without fear, but with certainty. Certainty in who you are. Lord, that's my prayer. In this room, if you're here today and you've not ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of works, so that you cannot take any credit for it. The only way to God is through Jesus Christ. He is the mediator between God and you. And so if you will place your faith in him, If you will admit that you are a sinner and that your life is broken and in need of a Savior. And if you will respond to Him, He will rescue you. Do that now. For the rest of us, I want to just take a moment. Just Place yourself in a posture of prayer. Maybe maybe you can take your hands and just hold them open, just as a way of saying to God God, I give you access to every part of my life, all of my heart, in all of my ways. Maybe God has something very specific. He's speaking to you and you know already what it is. And you've just been resisting him to this point. I would ask that you would yield right now. very humbly and very quietly without looking around making any commotion this song that's playing I'm going to ask you to stand and sing this as an anthem as a prayer but if you can't sing this and mean it I want you to just listen and let the words minister to you